You're listening to audio from St. Luke Church in Lexington, Kentucky. If you'd like to learn more or donate to this ministry, please check out our website at stlukelex.com. best part. I love it. Love it. Mark Walls. How's everybody? They're ready. Let's go. Well, Jessica Legrone said it last week. The book of Haggai is just 0.2% of all of scripture, and yet it contains the whole gospel. I thought this series would be fun for two reasons. Number one, How many of you lifelong Christians have ever heard a teaching series out of the book of Haggai? Exactly. And number two, and more importantly, what if we could just get the 0.2% right? It doesn't sound like much, does it? What if we could get the 0.2% right? What kind of life change would that lead to? What sort of resolution might that be in this new year? Because here's the thing, this is the day, this is the weekend, I suppose we should say, that resolutions go to die. (laughs) You know why? We're 42 days into the new year. And you know what comes at day 40? Testing, trial, temptation. We made those New Year's resolutions and we said, this is going to be amazing, it's going to be my greatest year yet. And by the time we get to day 40, we go, what was it that I was thinking? I'm not sure I really meant. Maybe we could soften that just a little bit. Maybe maybe God had a little better idea, or maybe we should just put this thing on the back burner or take a longer view. It's kind of like what we do during the season of Lent. I'm going to give up chocolate. And day 1.3 comes and we go, Yeah, 40 days. It's, it's the time of testing, of trial, of temptation. Jesus knew this, of course. He fasted in the wilderness for a period of 40 days. This is the Mount of Temptation. There's a monastery there now. And after the 40th day, the devil comes to him and says, hey, you look pretty hungry. How about you make these stones into bread? And you look pretty tired. Here's the thing. Just throw yourself down and there's going to be legions of angels. It's going to be epic. And at the third time, he says, well, okay, fine. I know you're exhausted. I have an all-expenses-paid trip to Bora Bora. All you got to do is just throw me a little worship, and you can get out of this. At 40 days comes testing, trial, temptation, and all those resolutions that we made, we think, oh, do we really want to do this or not? It's sort of funny, we want this unfathomable life with God, and yet we pursue it with some really crappy theology. Ooh, what do I mean by that? I mean that our human tendency is this, we pray for God to do all the work, and when it doesn't happen, we're either surprised or angry or upset or feel like 
we're not close to God or maybe we're not okay with God or maybe we're not even saved because after all, God's supposed to do all of the work for us. And when we're tested along the way, uh, this, this doesn't feel good, it's not right. And I think that's exactly what's happening in the book of Haggai. They return from exile in the year 538 BC and I can't help but think Their prayers were, God, you're going to build the temple. It's going to be better than ever. Can't wait to see what you do. It's going to look just like it did during Solomon's era. This is going to be epic. And yet 18 years pass before anything happens. Friends, that sounds like highway road crew season for 18 years in Kentucky, does it not? Like 18 years to rebuild the temple? Seriously? Sometimes isn't that how it works? God, just come and fix everything right now. I'm ready. I'm open, God. Do it all. And with one eye, we peek towards the heavens, and with another, we're hoping it all works out. And when it doesn't, oh, man, I feel let down. Maybe I'm not okay with God. Maybe I'm really not that close. Why do we make these resolutions that lose their steam? Why do we return, but we fail to rebuild or restore? Why... Do we have great intentions but failed execution? The answer, I think, is very simple. Very simple. Very simple. (laughs) The answer is very simple. And the answer is this. We want a life with God that is unfathomable. And it requires our participation. It requires our participation. God's not going to do it all. It requires our participation. In fact, John Wesley said, it is God who works in you, therefore work out your own salvation. It's God's grace that saves. We don't do that. That's not us. That's all God. But there's something about working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. So says the book of Philippians chapter 2. That's required of us. God's looking for a participant, not a robot. That's the way sanctification works, right? Sometimes you've got to give something up. Sometimes you've got to take something on. Sometimes uh, it's building spiritual practices in your life. But what God wants is your participation. More often than not, the crappy theology we say is, well, God, you just do it all. You're going to be waiting a long time. He wants your participation. We have a choice of what kind of life we're going to build. Maybe we could say it simply like this. We can build reruns or we can build revival. And we love reruns, don't we? I love the A-Team. Guys, are you with me? Fantastic show. In 50 minutes, the bad guys lose, the good guys win, and the cheesy tagline, I love it when a plan comes together. (laughs) Who doesn't want that every day? You know, maybe, maybe your favorite uh, TV rerun was Mad Men and the, the opulence and glory of the marketing age, or maybe it's Everybody Loves Raymond, or maybe it's Seinfeld. Who would have ever thought you could make a television episode out of black market showerheads? That's fantastic stuff. Maybe it's Parks and Rec and Lil Sebastian. I don't know what your favorite rerun is, but reruns are great, aren't they? When you're sick, what do you watch? Reruns. And they feel good. They're comforting. It's like chicken noodle soup for your soul or something or other. We love them. They're fantastic. Reruns, let's do it. Where do I sign up? But the thing is, is reruns, they've already happened. It's over. They're done. We already know how the story goes. God wants to do something new. 
That's what Haggai's after in Haggai chapter 2. Listen to the scripture today. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it no, as nothing, not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of the, all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give peace declares the Lord of hosts. Well, I want to set this timeline up for you one more time. The people of God are exiled in the year 586 BC. 50 years-ish later, they come back from the exile. And 18 years after that, they start to rebuild the temple. We have to ask ourselves, what took them so long? And there's an answer for that. Beyond the paneled wall homes, most of the people in Jerusalem were poor. They came back from an exile. They didn't come back with all kinds of huge bank accounts and lots of assets and, and, to draw upon. They were poor. So poverty was part of it. There were all kinds of political schemes that were taking place. And we know how the church can go with that sometimes. Even more, there were physical threats that the people were enduring, threat of force, threat of harm. But maybe the most disheartening was that in Haggai chapter 1, as they start to lay the foundation of the temple, we're told in the book of Ezra that the priests began to weep, literally weep. And I don't just mean weep for joy, they wept because the temple that they were building was meager, it was small, it was nothing compared to the glory of Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple was overlaid with gold and it had fleshy, shiny things everywhere and you could see it from miles away up on the high hill and everybody said, oh my goodness, the glory and splendor of Solomon's temple, there's nothing like it. When they laid the foundation, it was just a shadow in the days of Haggai, what was in the days of Solomon. And so they wept. They wanted to rerun. They wanted to rebuild what they had made before. And yet the saddest part about it is this, they forgot what the real glory of the temple was all about. It wasn't the fact that it was an amazing building with all sorts of shiny things everywhere. The glory of Solomon's temple was that the glory of God filled it. That's what made it special. Who cares about the gold? Who cares about the big shiny things? Who cares about how large it was? Who cares about how small the one in Haggai's time was? What matters is whether or not the glory of the Lord fills the house because if it doesn't, you're wasting your time. They'd forgotten and so they wanted a rerun. And sometimes I wonder in our lives if we want reruns too. 
God, would you just do this thing like you did back then again? Mandy and I, we were sitting in Chick-fil-A on a Friday morning. That's our Friday morning thing. We go to Chick-fil-A together because it's Jesus' chicken, right? I mean, how do you? (laughs) That's bad. I'm sorry. I'm in trouble with the preacher section over there, I think. <laughs> so we're sitting there, and, um, you know, this, this family comes in. It's mom, dad, uh, two little kids. I'm going to guess they're somewhere under four. You know, we're looking at them, and I'm thinking, man, I remember those days. And I remember how they looked. Mom's like, oh. Dad's, oh. But I remember those days. They were glorious and I miss him. And part of me wants the rerun of that sometimes. Are you with me? You have those seasons in your life where they're just outstanding, and you say, let's go back there. I remember when. Can I have a do-over or a rerun of that season in my life, God? And so we pray, and we pray, and we pray, and we pray. God, do this thing that you did before again. And let me help you. More often than not, that prayer is going to go unanswered. God already did that. He wants to do something new. In fact, over and over again in Scripture, what do we hear? I'm making things new. I'm doing a new thing. I'm ready to start something new. The reason we love reruns, friends, is that they're predictable and they feel good. And yet what the Lord seems to remind us over and over again is God wants to do a new thing. Church, has that become us? Are we a people of reruns? If we pray hard enough, if we just believe it enough, God's going to take care of everything? You know, there's plenty of books out there on church growth. None of them are Chuck Hunters, by the way. (laughs) But there's plenty of books out there on church growth that all they want to do is complain about and talk about what was. I don't care about what was. I'm interested in what's going to be. And they say, oh, the church is glory age, it's over, and blah. I don't believe that for a second. You shouldn't either. Because God wants to do a new thing. In fact, that's what Haggai says. In, in, in fact, God comes to Haggai and says, hey, speak now to Zerubbabel, the political leader, and to Joshua, the spiritual leader, and to the remnant. Say that word with me, remnant. I love that word. The remnant, it's the leftovers. Speak to the leftovers who thought that the dream had died, who thought that the mission had been failed, who thought that there was no hope, speak to these people and ask them some question. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it as nothing in your eyes? You've been waiting 18 years for me to do a thing that I've already done. Stop. I want to do a new thing. You want the reruns, people, But what God has in store is revival. You want what was instead of what will be. And to that, Haggai has some serious words for us. Be strong 
work and fear not. Doesn't sound like much, does it? Same with me. Be strong. strong. Work Work. and fear not. not. See, God has three musts for your life for revival to really begin to start. It starts with this. You got to be strong. And so Haggai says, is it not as nothing in your eyes yet now be strong? Oh, political leader, be strong, spiritual leader, be strong, all of you remnant in the land. Here's the word. The word for be strong is hazak. You got to say it with me. It just feels good. Hazak. You all don't get it. Stand up for a second. Oh my gosh, he's making us work. All right, this is how this works. You ready? Tomorrow morning when you wake up, whatever time it is, I want you to look in the mirror And I want you to put your hands on your hips like this and say, Hazak. Come on, say it like you mean it. There we go. Now we got some. All right, please. Thanks for indulging me. Hazak, be strong. Be strong. It's the words that God gave to Joshua to take the promised land, Israel before battles. David gave them to Solomon before he built the temple. Here's the hard part about being strong. How many times when we rush into some kind of trial or or temptation or struggle in our life, we tend to feel more like this? Yes? We don't feel strong. Maybe our tendency is to think, well, if we just pray for long enough, then all of a sudden we're going to feel strong or be strong, and that's when we go. You've got it completely wrong. The way we become strong is we pray, God strengthen me, and then we go. And we trust that God will provide us the strength along the way. Because if you ever think you're going to have a moment where you feel strong enough or you are strong enough to go, just as my brother here who is in the airborne, you're not supposed to jump out of a plane. That's not the way it's supposed to work. But as you take the leap, God provides the strength, yes? Yes? And the more you take the leap, the more God provides the strength. So we be, there we go, and you're going to land. Be strong. These are the words of, of Haggai. Be strong to the political leaders. Be strong to the spiritual leaders. Be strong to the remnant, because God is going to provide. And he doesn't stop there. He says, work, for I'm with you. Work for, I'm with you. Do something, make something, build something. I already made a covenant with you when you came out of Egypt. I brought you out of exile. You thought this whole deal was over. You've been waiting 18 years to build this thing. Let's go. Get to work. We're supposed to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. God works in us so we can work. There's a participation part to the element. God doesn't say, I'm going to do it all for you. He doesn't say, you know, pray the prayer, I'm going to show up, it's going to be amazing, I'm going to put the whole spread and shmeal on, and you're going to be all good. He says, work, get after it, let's go. And he said this time and time again, he said it to Noah, build a boat, work. To Abraham, go, work. To Moses, go and, and lead my people out, work. To David, work. Be a warrior to Solomon, work, build a temple to Haggai and the people, work. Get after it. The Great Commission is not, hey, just hang around here and we'll see how this thing all works out. 
He says, go. In fact, I love this. It's one of my favorite scriptures. At the end of the book of Acts, Jesus, it's the ascension, right? He, that's, that had to be a great day. You know? Can you picture that? It's kind of like when you're looking at hot air balloons. So Jesus is ascending into the heavens, and there they are all looking. Like, what do we do next? And the angels say, go, get out of here. He'll come back. Get going. You. Yeah, you, go. I'm not supposed to stand here? No, go. Go and make disciples. Go and work. Go and baptize. Go and teach them. And what's the promise? I'll be with you. I'll be with you always, even until the end of the age. Work. It's like John Wesley said, God works in us, and we work it out. You're waiting, some of you, and you've been waiting for a long time. You say, ah, you know, I'm past my prime. I don't buy that for a second. You shouldn't either. Work. What's God calling you to do? What do you know that you're supposed to do? And you're waiting for the strength or you're waiting for this or that or the signs to be right or for God to show up and do it all? Work. Get after it. He'll make you strong along the way. He'll be with you when you go. Work. He didn't say, you know, let's build a team. He didn't say, let's have a 25-point plan. I mean, our plan's good? Absolutely. But work. Work. I'm with you. Get the sledgehammer. Let's go. And the last thing he says is fear not. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while, I'll shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. Fear not. Same words given to Abraham, to Joshua, to the leaders of Israel. We gain the strength as we go. We start the work. And along the way, when the trials come, when it would be a whole lot easier to do reruns and sit around for 18 years, God strengthens us. He strengthens us all along the way. Go. Go. How many people know that that's hard? To be strong, to work, and to have no fear. Are you with me? Yeah, it's hard. It reminds me of a Chinese bamboo tree. <laughs> Seriously, it does. Chinese bamboo tree, you take a seed, you put it in the ground, and you water it and you fertilize it. Now, here in America, what we do is we dump five times the amount of miracle grow on it because we know at some point we're really not interested in watering it and fertilizing it sometime over the next seven days. Am I close? And we kind of hope, hey, boom, we're going to walk out one, one day and all of a sudden, gorgeous flowers, the whole bit, it's going to be there and it's going to be epic, it's fantastic. That's not how it works with a Chinese bamboo tree. In fact, what you do is you dump water and you fertilize it every day, every day, for five years. For five years, you're going to water and fertilize this thing and you know how big it's going to grow? Zero feet. Now, it does not take a Harvard MBA to tell you that's a terrible return on your investment. Are we tracking? 
So every day for five years, imagine you go back to the same spot and you water it and you put fertilizer on it and you don't see anything for five years. And then something miraculous happens. After the five-year point, for the next five to nine weeks, if you'll continue to water and fertilize that seed, it's going to grow 90 feet tall. 90 feet. Be strong, work, fear not. How often is God doing something under the surface and we give up all too early because we'd really just rather have a rerun? God, I felt this way umpteen years ago. Can you take me back to the glory days of what was? Can I experience just a taste of what it was way back then? See, watering and fertilizing are kind of like that 0.2%. If you do it every day, day after day after day, after five years, you know what you get? The multiplier is 365. More often than not, we want to do 365 in two minutes. It doesn't work that way in the kingdom. And that's the secret of Haggai. St. Luke, that's the secret of this church, whether you know it or not. We've survived our struggles and pandemics and disaffiliation. We have walked through a season of forgiveness. And now it's time to build. It's time to build a revival. That's the season it is for this church. And we're going to grow. We already have been. You've been watering and fertilizing. And I believe with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength that God is going to do even greater things. Here's the other thing. We're going to lead. As a church, we're going to lead in our denomination. We're going to be the tip of the spear when it comes to church planting and resourcing and discipleship. We're going to resource smaller churches and help them to grow. Because God has provided us an abundance of resources, an abundance of talent, and all of the people who are here. And this is why it's so powerful. Because the promise of Haggai is this, that the glory of the latter temple will be greater than the glory of the former temple. You believe this? You believe God is in store for bigger things to come? Because he's just getting started. That's what my Bible tells me. So we can settle for reruns or we can start to build a revival. That's what Haggai says. What if the 0.2% decision in your life was the very thing that you're missing each day? That it was time to be strong, to work, to fear not. And in this book that seems obscure, that we could never find anything good from, these two pages that are stuck together somewhere in the middle of your Bible that once held your chewing gum, what if it were the secret, the secret to not only your life transformation, but the transformation of the church? We keep trying to do reruns, and I think God is ready to author a revival. And the reason is so simple. He has 99.8% of all of the resources that are necessary. What he's looking for from each one of us to bring massive revival that will shake the heavens and the earth is the 0.2% of our effort to open the door. 
Are you ready? Hold on. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that you long to author change, transformation in our lives, and the transformation of the church. And God, we pray that you'd forgive us for settling for reruns. They were good. Those were great days. We wouldn't be here without them. And yet we recognize you're ready to do something new. New in us, new in the church, new for the kingdom. And so God, we hold on to the words of Haggai the prophet today. To be strong. To realize that strength doesn't come and then we go, but rather strength comes as we go. To work. To recognize you're not going to do it all. You're going to send us and strengthen us and empower us to do some of the work. And God, we hear these words of fearing not. Help us to keep watering and fertilizing that which we cannot see grow with tenacity, knowing that in its own due season, we'll see not only the fruit, but that the glory we long to recognize will be made manifest as the heavens and the earth shake. This is our prayer, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us fresh and anew. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.